Welcome, welcome, welcome to introducing a podcast series that shares Sate's makers, shapers, and originals. I'm Matt Carnes, and with me as always is my friend and colleague, Paula Sangara. Hey, Paula. Hey, Matt. Hey, Sate listeners. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, today we have our very own Terry Eklund. She is an educational developer within CADI, so that's uh, the Center of Academic Development and Innovation. Sometimes I get that acronym wrong. We are not your <laughs> SAA. <laughs> uh, yeah, Terry's, Terry's a great guest. And don't think just because we have uh, Terry joining us today, you're like, oh, they're, they're tapping in to, to one of their own. They, they, must, be, uh, they must be desperate. Um, well, while we're always looking for great people to talk to, Terry is absolutely fantastic for this um, because she went back into the classroom, Paula, right after yeah. after four years. So um, it's interesting uh, to be able to hear about her um, her, her take on that and, and what sh what she's uh, been able to reflect upon. So we have Terry Eklund uh, joining us. Terry, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. So, Paul, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Terry and I, uh, we have some history that we should just throw it out there all together, is that uh, uh, we started as ed developers on the exact same day, uh, dare I say minute, perhaps. And um, for the past four years, we have sat um shoulder to shoulder our desks side by side um ever since then however i've only really seen her a lot in the two-dimensional uh because of our current situation but um yeah it's still great to have you on introducing so is it kind of like you're joined at the hip so if we were to see you at campus oh very much so walking side by side would you not say so terry i I think we get that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I like I feel like the nature. I mean, the nature of starting a brand new job together on the mm -hmm. same day, like it or not, the hips feel like it just happened. <laughs> well, I, I know that's not you know we've we've asked you to come to talk about you know uh, you went back in and um, taught a section uh, this past semester, but there is something to be said. We can just kind of you know, dive into that is you're right, you know, starting a new job, starting a new role and having somebody else do it at the same time, there's, you know, misery loves company. And I know we've seen it a lot when, you know, we had new cohorts in teaching excellence foundations and, um, you know, ISW and, and, and things like that. Those are colleagues that you can rely on and, and be supportive of. And I know they're all, all over campus and it's a huge part of our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, returning to the classroom was, it was something I wanted to do, but it was also an interesting experience because part of me did feel like that new faculty member, right? I hadn't been in the classroom formally. Certainly we teach a lot in, in CADI in various um, roles and programs, but I hadn't taught in a diploma course with, you know, 20 students for, for so many years. So part of me felt that newness and, and I wanted to find some folks and part of me was like, okay, I, I've done this before. I've just taken a bit of a bit of a break. So yeah, it was, a, it was a, it was a balance there. So then that, so ultimately that's why you did it is you wanted some newness. You wanted to find some balance. 
Um, I would also say, like, certainly things have changed, as we know, in the last two years. So part of me working in CADI and working as an educational developer, I've I've had the opportunity to put, you know, put supports out there. And so to, to get back into the classroom, I think, gave me an opportunity to see that from a different lens and to see those supports and to talk to faculty who, who um, had, you know, were using them or weren't using them or whatever the case may be. And so there was a piece of something I could bring back to CADI. And then just the whole idea of supporting faculty now teaching in a pandemic and, and how I didn't know what I didn't know. So I, I wanted to jump back in and luckily had the opportunity to do that, to teach a section in communications. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are curious how the opportunity came about because, um, mm -hmm. you know, like we were like we were alluding to, you are a full-time educational developer with Caddy. Yeah. Do you have not enough work to do that you <laughs> said, hey, how would I go teach a class? <laughs> oh, I got work you can do if you're looking for something. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, great question. It it came about a, around setting goals, actually. And this year, and goal setting, it hasn't always come easy to me to set goals around my own performance and my own development. And so this year, I pushed myself in a couple of different ways, and I set goals that I I've, haven't set before. So I have a team goal with a with a colleague of mine, which hadn't been something I'd done before. And then this came about as an area that I thought, you know, I, I could use a refresher, like I could use this as for personal development, getting back in the classroom. Lucky for me, the whole team supported me in that. And so I didn't have to do, you know, Saturdays or, or things like that. It became part of my role as an educational developer. So, yeah. And pretty amazing, Terry, that you were, um, there was that flexibility around you as a learner growing and then being able to bring that back to your current role. Um, and I wonder how many other positions around state are able to have that flexibility um, and to learn within their positions and then take that information back to mm. their current roles, right? Um, I really appreciate the, the comments you made around perspective. And so it's kind of like, let's say if you're the boss of a a large shoe company, for example, mm -hmm. and you know, you've been in that position for 10 plus years, you kind of forget the little nuances um, that are part of certain positions within that company, right? So um, really cool that you were able to get that that opportunity, right? Yeah, I think I mean, I can't speak to, you know, state <laughs> as a whole, but I think it's actually common in other institutions mm -hmm. for people who with the educational developer role to still have um, full, like some some part of the role teaching in the classroom, teaching students. Of so. course. Yeah, and you know, I mean, uh, this podcast introducing is about sharing of best practices and being able to copy and steal. And I think, you know, Polly, you may have just touched on something as well, you know, for, for those who might not be in I don't know, in an instructor's role or something like that, is there an opportunity for you in your own goals at SAIT to go and uh, shadow 
um, another area and spend some time in an, in another area. Um, you know, that happens in, you know, in uh, hospitalities and restaurants. A chef will go spend time in another chef's kitchen and mm. works with them and learns and then brings back. Um, you know, so even if you're not going into a classroom, that's a really good best practice that, um, you know, that can be considered across the campus, no matter your, your position. So let's let's talk about, OK, you go back into the class. <laughs> what's that? What's that first day like? Um, it was familiar in a lot of ways. I mean, I was teaching Senator Burns where I taught for nine or 10 years, but also different. I was really unsure of that first day of class. Um, you know, I checked out my room and checked my, my computer and projector and I, I did all of those things. But when students arrived with, um, the protocols certainly on campus right now, I, I didn't really know what that would be like. And um, I found, you know, pretty quickly, I found my groove, I think, and I was I was happy to have students. I hope I didn't startle them with my level of excitement. <laughs> but <laughs> I was also, I mean, I was grateful to be back on campus as well, too. Like, that's, um, yeah, I got the opportunity to teach on campus, which I appreciated. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, COVID or not COVID, you know I can adapt an icebreaker to be COVID-friendly. And you know I will give you an icebreaker in every workshop, in every course, and in every class that I teach. I secretly think they all love them. I do. <laughs> I really do. Can you give us a, an example of one of your favorite icebreakers? Oh, goodness. Well, uh, I, I tend to use something where people can speak for themselves. So they can introduce themselves. I can hear them say their own name, the name that they prefer. Um, so I often stick to something simple, but something that allows each person to speak. That isn't always the student's favorite first day. Do they really want to stand up in front of a class and say something? Um, but yeah, that's sort of, before COVID, I would say I would have used something more like around the room. We would have used the room a bit more, but that first, that first few days I had to sort of manage the comfort level of moving in the space and the student's comfort level of being together and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So that was learning for me to, to manage that piece. How much did you share with the students about uh, you and your <laughs> current role? Like, they, they, did they know that this was a, a kind of a, a, a one-off and this was a goal for you? Yeah, certainly. I was, I was open with them. I was teaching in the environmental technology program and um, yeah, we've, I was very open. I explained my history and that I used to teach in the School of Business and learn around academic services, but, you know, explained my role and and that it, they were the lucky ones that I got, you know, <laughs> four-year-old stale teaching Terry out of the, uh, out of the luck of the draw. But no, they were great. So let's hear some of those um takeaways what was it uh you know some of those big takeaways that now i mean what are you uh, a month removed from from the class more more than that uh six weeks or so removed from the class um lots of time to kind of to digest and to process a little bit but what were some of the takeaways that you 
have after mm -hmm. going back into the classroom? Yeah, I mean, certainly we know as educators, reflection is a huge part of our role and, and making time and space to reflect on our experiences. There was a couple things that stood out right away um, was the use, something that I noticed, the use of uh, cats or classroom assessment techniques. So that's the best practice we share with um, new faculty and all faculty, of course. And every semester I did a classroom assessment technique, you know, what's working, what's not, or pace of the course, start, stop, continue, all of those. But it occurred to me that I hadn't done anything with them from semester to semester. So in our roles, we're often talking about making data informed decisions and using data to, to um, help us. And it just struck me that 10 years of teaching and I did one every semester, but I didn't save them. I didn't create a trend. I didn't mm -hmm. start to look at that as a bigger piece of my teaching practice. And so yeah, that one just kind of hit me. I couldn't believe it, honestly, when I realized I was I was just like, what? How is this not a thing? So you know, it, I, and I agree with you. Now that you now that you say that, I never did that. I would do cats all the time as well. Yeah. And in fact, I would never. I wouldn't. I would traditionally use the same cat for the same course at the same time, mm -hmm. so that I knew I wasn't duplicating or giving. You know, uh, the same section. You know, this the same cat as well. So I had this great opportunity for a <laughs> right. bigger picture. Yeah. Data, right? And. Huh. I know. And the, I've talked to some faculty about it through the workshops that I've done around um, our SFQ results. And and the faculty are having the, you know, the ones I've talked to, they're like, wait, why haven't we been doing that? So that was great, like for me to take into my own practice and to, to share out like what a what a good um, resource for us. So and, would you would you say save all the cats or would you summarize the cats? into like a, a top sheet sort of thing and or on a spreadsheet and file that single page away with you know the summary of of that semester's cat yeah i mean that's a good question i think for me i'm I, i'm gonna mess this up paula i'm gonna talk <laughs> using data to tell stories right and just that whole concept of, of we should be able to tell a narrative around our data so that 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 would be my direction I think I would be more of a summary you know oh three students again told me I talk too fast it's now the fourth semester in a row I've been told that like maybe that's something I need to address oh so, yeah I think it depends too on the cat you use so that was that was one takeaway certainly that hit me pretty pretty early on. I think that is such a great light bulb moment. Like I know that our our listeners you can't see our reactions but we're looking at each other while we're speaking and I had the hugest smile on my face <laughs> when Carrie mentioned, you know, comparing year after year. Um when you're when you're speaking data, you have data in terms of these are the results. But when you're able to tell a story year after year, uh, what what great information can can come from it? So that's a really positive takeaway. I I want to hear 
I know you are a great teacher and a great facilitator, and we, you know, are fortunate to to work with you, um, and and have your. I want to hear a story about you were doing a learning activity. You tried something in the classroom. You took a calculated risk, and it didn't work. And you just, ah, crap. And now what? And that kind of moment of, well, that didn't work, <clears throat> sort of situation. Well, I mean, it happens frequently. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if we if we do take those calculated risks um, in class, then then that's something that um, something that we risk. So there was there was uh, the first part of it was not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> what happened one day is that the the internet went down on campus, which is always all sorts of fun. And we had I'm not even I'm not even lying our only in class assignment scheduled that day, mm -hmm. like 15 nice. weeks, two classes a week. We have one in class assignment, and it was that day. And so, you know. We've been there. It happens in the moment. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to manage this. Okay, 10 minutes ticks on, 15 minutes ticks on, half an hour ticks on. At some point, I have to call it and just say this isn't happening. I took that assignment and I um, modified it. I changed it into, um, oh gosh, you're going to make me forget. I took that assignment and I modified it to be just a take home do at your own pace type of thing. And unfortunately, so I put it in Brightspace and you know they could start it at a certain time, they'd have an hour and a half to complete it. Unfortunately, what I neglected to do was pull over all of the instructions. <laughs> and so that was, you know, at first, you know, unfortunate internet, and then I messed it up and I learned quickly. Um, using the Brightspace tests, it just, yeah, I didn't put over enough instructions. So that led to some, some emails <laughs> for, from the students to me. Um, but yeah, that was one that stood out for that. And of course, if you were going to do this again, you would have the plan B's or you would at least be aware, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. But unfortunately for you, is this one off and you live with it and you move on. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I do remember, um, not quite a, as a big deal, but I, I, t I try to make a practice, make a habit, always go through every assignment in class, right? So most of our assignments were not in-class assignments, but always go through the assignment in class. For whatever reason, I forgot that once and quickly remembered it and now have, you know, <laughs> that embedded in my memory. Always go through the assignment instructions in class before you, yes. So that was that was fun too. And imagine there's always going to be someone who has a question around oh, sure. assignments, right? Yeah, for sure. And if you can get the top five covered in class before you <laughs> say goodbye to the class, it saves you a ton of time. But so then, this would have marked uh, your return to. Uh, student feedback questionnaires or SFQs. So you would have received SFQs from from the students as well. Um, what was that like for you to go back and I mean, this is this is a different type of feedback for you now. Yeah. So the last time I taught 
students, we had a different um, feedback assessment tool. So this I was really looking forward to receiving my own and being able to understand mm -hmm. even more about, you know, I've worked through the system, but to understand even more. And um, th this semester was interesting. There was something happened behind the scenes in the systems and uh, my SFQ got released a week before it was scheduled. Right. So there I am. Right. I'm trying to walk the talk. I'm going to talk to my students in advance of the SFQ being released. Tell them how important it is. Bam. They're like, Terry, it's already out. Came out like three days ago. I was like, pardon me. So um, that wasn't that was good. That was fine. Like, just roll with it. There's not much you can do at that point. Um, but that actually led to some great conversations with um, BINA between the caddy and BINA because mm -hmm. we try to schedule our programming around some institutional dates like the mm -hmm. release of the majority of SFQs. And so that Again, as an instructor, I experienced the, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know, I got to tell them how, you know, go fill out my SFQ. But then the caddy side and the collaboration and the institutional uh, efforts, you know, we had some some good takeaways there, too. So and then, yes, I, um, I, I got a gift on Christmas Eve at about 11 a.m. <laughs> I got an email that said, Terry, your SFQ results are available. And I had that moment of, do I or don't I? Should I <laughs> Nothing is served I? better with rum and eggnog than your, <laughs> than your SFQs, right? Do I just go back to wrapping presents or do I take a peek? <laughs> so that was, that was fun too. And you took a peek, didn't you? Of course. Oh my goodness. Y'all know me. Of That's course I want to. Yes. So where does this all go? What do you do? What do you do with this experience with these reflections that you've been able to um, discover? Yes. Um, at, at this point, I'm at this this moment in time. I've got a couple of notebooks filled with notes, and I have a few reflection frameworks that I'm sort of exploring from. It, to, to use those to frame this experience, you know, why did I do this as an educator? What are my takeaways as an educator, as well as an educational developer within my role um, here at SAIT? And so I'm at this point, it's a bunch of notes. <laughs> I'm looking for a reflection framework. I may have to meld two together, I think, which works. And then I'm I've submitted an application for a conference. I'm not sure if they'll accept me, but I'd love to to share this at a broader stage. And I think that would give me, yeah, a new experience as well. So stay tuned, I guess. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to turn this into something and certainly bringing it back to our team. Ultimately, if, if it doesn't go beyond the team, I, I hope it's still a benefit, beneficial experience for us. It certainly was for me. So basically what you're saying, Terry, is we need to do a a part two conversation. A part two <laughs> on the podcast, you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, I will let you know. Like I said, I, I submitted uh, it as a conference paper and um, or a conference presentation. Forgive me. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep you posted. Lucky for me, I see you two a lot, so... 
Well, Terry, we really appreciate you doing this because, uh, you know, you put yourself in a uh, vulnerable position and and sharing your own experiences um, and those best practices that that uh, you discovered al along the way. So um, thank you. It is it is really appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me. If anyone wants to chat further, um, yeah, happy to connect. Matt, what a refreshing conversation. Yeah, it was it was super fun to have uh, Terry join us, and um, I thought it was super hilarious um, how nervous she was uh, to 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 talk about her experiences. You know, initially, I had a list of super difficult questions I was going to ask her. You know, because she is working in within the same department. We have to ask that, right? But uh, this time around, we were we were fairly nice. You know, we asked her some reasonable questions, and she did such a great job answering them. Um, one thing I wanted to say is, I love the fact that she went back to the classroom, taught students, and she seemed like she was super refreshed about it, being able to take you know, the best practices that she learned from that experience, especially during this time where we're not too sure if we're going to be teaching in person or online. So many different act, uh, yeah. factors come into play, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, um, one of the great things that I certainly appreciate about um, SAIT and specifically in this case, um, instructors at SAIT is, you know, our willingness to kind of share our experiences right. and be a little vulnerable there as, as well too. So, um, you know, hats off to to Terry for you know taking that calculated risk and, and going back and 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 into the classroom to have, you know, to to remember what it was about, but also to come forward with it. And you know, she's doing her, you know a, a conference presentation. She's sharing her best practices or what her learning experience with us and now on the podcast as well too. And I think that's, um, yeah, yeah, it's just really, really great of her. Right, I think it's um, especially, you know, this is why we're here. This is why we're working at state. It's if we're directly in contact with students or not, it's student success, which is top of mind. Yeah, and we certainly got that from from Terry during the conversation too. Yeah, of course. Yep. Well, state listeners, as always, thanks for listening today. So, if you'd like to nominate someone or even yourself, don't hesitate to connect with Caddy um, in the digital exchange on MS Teams or you can check out the Caddy SharePoint site. And don't forget to subscribe to Introducing, uh, presented by Caddy on uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Till next time. Thanks, everybody.